Some time ago, my friend Mike called me and said, Steve, I have a message for you. You have to make a podcast. It's very important. Do it now. And I said, okay, I will. Can you provide me with extra time to do that during my busy schedule? He said he couldn't do that. But then I managed to free up some time. So here's my podcast, Audio Chimera. This is episode number 10, A Fun Workday, Tom McGann and the Pneumatic Tubes. Right at the outset, let me say that I deliberately chose the title for this podcast to resemble an album title followed by the name of a band. Why? Just because. Before I graduated from high school, I had two jobs. After is, of course, another story, and some of that is detailed in my memoir, Immaculate Misconceptions, Tales of Catholic School. Anyway, the first job at the age of 16 or so was as a busboy at an upscale, for York, restaurant. Ah, what exciting times, especially the night watching one of the waitresses trying to crush a cockroach with the heel of her shoe and not succeeding. One particular Saturday night, several of the usual bus persons had failed to show, and rather than having the usual four or so, it was just one other and me. And it was prom night. I bust my butt off. Water and butter out, refill waters, dirty dishes away. I was exhausted by the end of the evening. When I went in several days later to check the schedule, I discovered I was not on the list. Why? When you learn to work faster, then we'll give you more hours. I have no idea what logic they thought was contained in that sentence, but I didn't ever go back to see if I'd been scheduled, so... I quit? I was fired? Not really sure. So, not one of my favorite jobs, and also not high on my list, but a longer enduring one, was as a shoe salesman at Atomic and Shoe Store. I should spell that. T-H-O-M, capital M-C, capital A-N. Just so you know, it wasn't an Atomic Ann shoe store. Meet Ann, the victim of the Atomic Age. York had two of these. The busy mall store where I was loaned once or twice, and the more sedate downtown store. I could spend a long time talking about my co-workers. Quick. What do you think of when I say shoe salesman? Whatever came to your mind is probably an accurate summation of some of them. And the customers, what did I learn from them? If she tells you she's a size 6 and you measure her for a 9, sell her a 9 and tell her it's a 6. The long summer days of 1974 passed a little more quickly since the manager played a commercial rock station in the store. So Golden Earring's Radar Love and Bad Company's Bad Company kept me going during those long stretches when no customers ventured through the doors to help me earn those intense commissions. My hourly rate was $1.90, but that was low because I was on commission. And those 5 and 10% on shoelaces, hose, and decorative butterfly patches for platform shoes really added up to almost nothing. It was still better than a dollar an hour plus a share of the waitress's tips that they disclosed split among the bus persons at the restaurant. Another part of my job downtown was to monitor the outside display stand. But no matter how closely we watched, someone would always make away with a shoe. 
Just one, the left, because that's all that was out there. Why did you steal one left shoe for the kicks? A story I tell frequently of this period concerns an elderly woman who walked in one day and sat down on the man's side. As you faced the front of the store from the cash register, the men's shoes were displayed on the left and the women's on the right, separated down the middle by two rows of chairs with their backs to each other. This woman sat there for a moment, and since it was my turn to wait on a customer, I walked over to her and asked her if I could help her. Could I just sit here a moment? I'm tired from walking. I said sure, and returned to the cash register area upon which leaned the manager and the full-time person, who, outside the store, was also a purveyor of stereo equipment and the never-ending tales of his alleged conquests. The manager asked about the woman, and I said she just wanted to rest for a moment. Our conversation about whatever continued, but when we looked again at the woman, her head had pitched back and her mouth was open. We looked at each other, then back at her. The manager whispered, Do you think she's dead? I shrugged, and we began a hasty conversation which quickly determined it was the store manager's job to check on such things. After a brief hesitation, he walked over to her, mammed her a couple of times, and eventually she stirred and woke. Apparently that was enough of a nap, and she rose, departed, and very much alive. The fun workday in the title comes from a particular day when the manager decided he wanted to play with the pneumatic tube system. This is a setup that you still see in a bank drive through lane. At some point in the building's history, it housed a business that used such a system. You could walk from room to room and see the tubes running close to the ceiling. So we left the full-time guy to dream of his next female conquest, and the manager and I set off to explore. On the side wall in the stockroom, he found the switch and turned the system on, and there was no mistaking the sound of the air being pumped through the tubes. Next to the on switch were two tubes, one for outgoing and one for incoming. He placed a canister into the outgoing tube, closed the bottom, and off it went. So we traced the path of the tubes and found the room on the second floor where it had gone, and he then sent it on its way a second time. This led us to the rear of the building, past the stockroom area, and by the restrooms. A third attempt? Why not? And this route was a little trickier to follow until we realized it went into the basement. So we descended. I'm not sure what the basement was originally used for, but clearly it had been inhabited by this business, and someone needed to access it through the tube system. Nothing much was left down there now, although as we moved forward toward the Market Street end, we noticed stacks and stacks of containers. We went in for a closer look. There in the corner were boxes of crackers, barrels of water, blankets, a Geiger counter, and a civil defense helmet. Everything needed for a bomb and fallout shelter. I couldn't believe that stuff was still down there and wondered how many places that bear those signs still have all the materials. I just hope we don't ever need them. Later on, I decided it might be fun to write a play about a group of people who are trapped in a bomb shelter and waiting for the all-clear to sound. I did a lot of research, but never got around to writing the play. I was never sure what I was trying to say with it, so I abandoned the idea. 
The manager and I were probably tempting fate by trying it one more time, and he loaded the canister into the tube, and it shot away. We spent some time looking for the canister, but never did locate it. Lost, if not in the ether, then in some out-of-the-way inbox somewhere in the building. Giving up, he shut off the blowers, and we returned to the sales floor to attempt to sell sneakers and high-heeled shoes for men and women to whomever would wander in. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to stephenschramm at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074, and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musifier.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schramm or Musifier, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Schramm. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera. <laughs>